Welcome to Running Up the Score. I am Alex Kennedy. This is my new show that airs every Tuesday and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We have a very special episode today because I am joined by the NBA's reigning rookie of the year. He is the star of the Orlando Magic. He was also one of the stars of Team USA's World Cup team recently. He is Paolo Bancaro. This interview is a bit different because I interviewed Paolo in person after the Magic's practice earlier today, but we're going to air that in a second. After my interview with Paolo, I also have an interview with Bleacher Report's Eric Pincus to talk all things salary cap, CBA, and preview the NBA season. So let's get to my interview with Paolo. Paolo, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. You're coming off a Rookie of the Year campaign. What were some of the biggest lessons or takeaways from last season? Uh, I think there were a lot, um, good and bad. You know, obviously, I, I think I did a lot of good things last year, but um, just going back and watching over the summer, it was a lot of stuff I could have um, done better. So trying to clean all that up um, and just, you know, improving, just coming looking better in year two and uh, as an overall player. You've said the travel and the long schedule were things you had to adjust to. I think every young player kind of goes through that. How are you more prepared for that now in your second season? Yeah, I feel like I'm a lot more prepared just being super mindful of uh, trying to get extra sleep, um, do all the little things to keep my body, keep my energy up just so that I don't have to worry about that. Um, when it comes to time for the game, I can just focus on um, whatever it is we got to do that night. Your experience with Team USA, I mean, I've talked to a lot of players who say it gives them a ton of confidence that, you know, they're able to learn a lot from the other players and coaches. What was your experience like and what were some of your takeaways there? Yeah, it was good just being around um, just that high level of players and coaches, um, just being the youngest guy on the team. Um, I was able to learn a lot um, and uh, just get to experience traveling around, playing basketball all over, all over the world. I had never been able to do anything like that. So it really was a blessing. And um, you know, even though we didn't win, it was just still a, a great experience for me. You played some small ball five. I know coaches talked about it. it was great seeing you be able to have that kind of versatility and play kind of positionless basketball. Do you think we'll see some of that in Orlando too, or is that just safe for Team USA? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't. I don't know about um, you know to start the year, but maybe as the year goes on um, and you know stuff changes, I could see myself maybe sliding there, but. Um, as of right now, I haven't been really getting any reps at the five um, for us right now, but, you know, maybe that'll change. The fact that you can play so many positions, I mean, there's not many teams that have two 6'10 forwards that can create for themselves and others. Talk about that one-two punch with you and Franz and just how much that helps you having another guy that can kind of do a lot of the same things and is as versatile. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, just playing with a guy of his cal caliber. Um, it's just us being able to feed off each other um, in the game every day at practice, um, pushing each other. Um, it's just it's good to know, you know, when you have each other's back that, you know, if he's slow today, you know, I'm going to be able to pick it up and, and pick up the slack. If I'm slow, he can do the same. And then, you know, when we're both on and ready to go, then it's, it's dangerous. So uh, just trying to push each other and, you know, do what's best for the team. Obviously, this is our second year together, so we just want to grow and build the chemistry even more. What do you think is your ceiling as a duo? I mean, there's a lot of teams that would love to have the pair of you guys. What is your ceiling? Um, I think it's I think it's limitless, honestly. Like, you know, I've I haven't really ever played with somebody like Franz um, just since I've been playing basketball. So, uh, like you said, someone who were the same height, um, kind of same wing forward position, and we can all do so many things and affect the game so many ways. Like, I mean, just just some of the stuff I felt out there last year being on the court with him. Like, you can just tell that. Um, you know, as that grows throughout the years, like it's going to be really, really hard to stop. So, like I said, just coming into this year, we're trying to grow more, build the chemistry, and um, just learn each other. You know, learn our games even more. Um, I think we've been communicating a lot better. Um, 
you know, he's a great guy, great teammate. Um, and so he's easy to talk to and, and be around. So I'm excited. Coach just talked about the maturity of this team and said that everyone roots for each other. Everyone's happy for Cole and his extension. And, you know, that's rare on some teams. Uh, I'm curious, what do, you, what do you kind of take away from that? And, and can you kind of talk about just the vibe of this team overall and how supportive everyone is of each other? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a it's a very unique situation, I think, here. Um, just with the way guys treat each other on and off the court, um, how we support each other on and off the court, and just how close guys are. So when you see, you know, one of your teammates, uh, a guy like Cole, who we all know he works super hard um, day in, day out to, to earn that um, contract. And, you know, just seeing his hard work pays off, it's a win for everybody. What are, your summer, uh, what are some of your goals for this season? And then what are some long-term goals that you've set for yourself? Yes, for the, yeah, for the season, um, just growing more as a team, building off of the year we had last year. Um, some of the good moments and, you know, trying to make a playoff push. You know, we felt like we were playing at a pretty, pretty, pretty good level, almost playoff level at, at points last year. And so just trying to sustain that for a whole 82 games and uh, getting to that, you know, top eight um, seed in the East. And then uh, as for myself, you know, just growing another year, obviously second year, um, super excited. Um, a lot I've learned. So just ready to apply that to this season. And then, um, you know, just I, pushing myself to reach, you know, newer heights, you know, whether it's all-star, all-NBA, um, you know, affecting the game more on defense and being a, a, a better player on that end, like it's just being better and, um, you know, reaching new heights. I think that's the goal for me. Right now there's a lot of hype about Victor Wembanyama. I, I think people look at you two as kind of the two of the best young stars in the NBA. What are your thoughts on Wemby's game? And do you think we could see a Paolo Wemby rivalry going forward possibly? Yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, him being in the West, me being in the East, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll match up uh, in the in the finals uh, down the road. That'd be that'd be uh, awesome. So, but no, just watching him so far, I mean, you can tell he's just a star. Um, he carries himself like that. He plays that way, and um, he's a lot more, I think, comfortable than a lot of people, I think, maybe expected. Just with the stuff he's doing. Uh, nutmegging guys and stuff like that like you know that just comes with it you have to be a certain level of comfortable to pull that stuff out so to see that um this early is, is crazy and i think he's gonna you know have a great rookie year obviously he'll probably deal with some struggles here and there but for the most part i think he's gonna be an awesome player so um i can't wait to match up with him i've never really seen a player that size especially with that skill so you know getting to getting to see that up close on the court is gonna be it's gonna be fun I have to ask, Patrick Beverly made some comments and they kind of blew up on social media basically saying if the Magic have two top 50 players in ESPN's top rankings, then this should be a playoff team, they should be winning more. I mean, it's Pat Bev being, being Pat Bev, but what are your thoughts on those comments? Do you have any kind of response? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think he, you know, he has a podcast, so he got to, you know, talk about things. And I mean, I think it was a, a tricky statement um, with, you know, last year was our first year together, right. you know, and we improved, I think. 12, 12 wins, um, which is, is, is great. And so I think this year it's going to be more of the same. So um, obviously his comments are what they are, but you know he, he knows who we are, whether he wants to say it or not. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see them down the road. So it'll be fun. And then Mark Hill uh, at Media Day, he seems so confident. I was talking about how he this is his first offseason. He's fully healthy, that he thinks he can have a breakout year. What are you seeing from Mark Hell and what are your expectations for him this season? Yeah, I mean, he's just being him like he's – to me, he's been the same way since I first got here in terms of just how he shows up every day, um, how he how he approaches practice, how he approaches his work. Um, and so, I I mean, I know he's going to have a breakout year. I think last year, you know, people were surprised. But I think this year, like he said, with a healthy offseason, 
and just, you know, that momentum from last year, he's going to be even more of a breakout player. And um, just on both sides of the ball, you know, you got to guard him on offense, you got to respect him because um, he'll make you pay. And then on defense, he's a special player. Um, and then just as a, as a basketball player, as a teammate, um, he's, as, he's as good as it gets, just being a locker room guy, being a, you know, a leader, um, you know, picking guys up when they're down. Um, and just keeping the group together, you know, he's 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 one of the glue guys for this team. So um, it's always great having him. Speaking of glue guys, Joe Ingles seems hilarious. Uh, every time we see him, it seems like he's cracking jokes with everyone and getting along with everyone, even though he's only been here a little bit. Uh, what are your thoughts on the new additions, Joe, the rookies? Uh, what have you seen from, from from them so far? Yeah, it's been it's been fun just seeing them. Joe, <laughs> Joe, the first time I actually got to be around him was in, in the summertime working out in Vegas, and uh, he was like from the get talking trash uh being super competitive so you know him just being here every day um it, it helps everybody you know he keeps the competitive spirit in the building obviously he's a great player makes shots uh super smart on offense and defense in terms of where to be at positionally and what reads to make so having him around has been great just his presence and then the rookie's been great too um you know they're real exciting um jet ab um, they got a lot of life you can just tell like you know obviously the rookie so you know, I can relate just to coming in, eyes wide open and not knowing what to expect. And so you see some of that, but you also see the hunger, um, you know, how they work. Like I said, you know, they're, they're in here every day before and after uh, just, you know, trying to get better. So that's exciting. And, you know, they're going to be ready whenever their name's called um, because I see them, you know, put in the work. So last question, you and LeBron are the only teenagers in the NBA to ever have a 30 and 15 game. Uh, you know, you did some things that players haven't done in NBA history at, at your age. What advice would you give to the upcoming rookie class? Uh, you know, kind of what you've get, been through on and off the floor. What would you tell those guys? Um, yeah, I would just say, you know, don't don't put too much pressure on yourself. Um, allow yourself to to make mistakes and and you know, realize that you're, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're supposed to make mistakes. You know, you just want to try hard and give effort while you're, while you're making those mistakes. So um, that, and then also have fun. Like the league is just such a, it's such a blessing to be a part of the NBA. Um, every game is, you know, something new, um, a new challenge, uh, a new story, whatever it is. So embrace it all, you know, because it's going to go by fast. It's a lot of games, but it goes by fast. So. Yeah, well, awesome, man. Thanks so much for your time and uh, good luck this season. Yes, Appreciate it. I want to take a moment to thank my sponsor, Prize Picks. If you haven't tried daily fantasy sports on Prize Picks, you are missing out. Here's how it works you pick two to six players and pick whether they'll score more or less points than their Prize Picks projection. If you're right, you win big. You can win 25 times your money on any entry. At Prize Picks, you aren't competing against other people, it's just you versus the projections. PrizePix offers projections on every sport, NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, soccer, WNBA, eSports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, and more. You can mix and match players from different sports. So for example, you could have LeBron James and Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. If you download PrizePix today and use the promo code RUNNING, they'll double your deposit up to $100. That's the promo code RUNNING, and they'll double your deposit up to $100. It takes 30 seconds or less to build a lineup. To show you how easy it is, I'm going to build a lineup right now. All right, let's go to Prize Picks. They have a special right now where if Stephen Curry has more than one point tonight against the Suns, you win. But I already used that last week on both of my entries, so we're going to pick something different. Since Paolo was on the show today, I feel like I have to go Paolo. Here he is. More than 21.5 points. Let's go with that. And then let's go over the assist. There's a bunch of different stats on here. You can also do fantasy score. Uh, let's go 
Tyrese Halliburton, more than 10 assists. $20 entry. Just like that, we are entered. Thanks to PrizePix for sponsoring this episode. Use that promo code RUNNING and they will double your deposit up to $100. That is the promo code RUNNING. Let's get back to the show. Thank you to Paolo for joining us. Now I'm joined by a great friend of mine. He is a fantastic writer, a CBA and salary cap expert. He is Eric Pincus. Eric, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you, you uh, joining me. Uh, you and I have known each other for many, many years. People that don't know, we worked together way back in the day at Hoops World, Basketball Insiders. You've known me since I was like 16, 17 years old, which is kind of crazy. So it's been a, <laughs> it's been a long time. Uh, but I always appreciate you know you jumping on these uh, shows with me. And it's always fun to pick your brain. Of course. Uh, I want to talk to you about this new CBA because there's not many people in the world that know the CBA and salary cap better than you. You and, and Larry Kuhn are absolute experts. Uh, anyone that doesn't know Sports Business Classroom, by the way, needs to check it out because you can learn so much from these guys. But I'm curious. We know that next year the new CBA takes effect and it's going to affect a lot of these teams that are, you know, teams like the Suns that have spent a ton of money and uh, are trying to go all in on winning a championship. What are your thoughts on this new CBA and how it's going to affect roster building? Well, I mean, it already has. So the the rules started already July 1st, but the tougher penalties for big high spenders don't really kick in until next right. year. So we're already under these new rules. There's a there are already new restrictions for teams like the Suns and the Bucks and the uh, the Warriors and, and those teams at the very top of the payroll spectrum. And yet they're still spending a lot in terms of trade, right? That's where some of the rules get a little uh, more constrictive. So what I think the Suns are sort of saying is uh, we're going to go for it now when we still can and we'll deal with the consequences later. And uh, But I mean, like uh, the Clippers didn't keep Eric Gordon, who's a very good player. Now his contract was probably too much for them under these rules. But under the previous rules, they would have absolutely have kept him. And now he's with the Suns and he's one of their top, probably one of their top six or even five players. You know, may, I don't know. I'd have to look uh, and look at their roster. But like after the stars, he may end up being their best player. So uh, there's a lot of uh, really restrictive things. They want to make it uh, so that you can't really overspend, buy into a title, uh, which puts pressure on other teams to kind of overspend. And the league as a whole wants everybody to be more or less uh, a profitable franchise. You don't have to be rolling in money, but they want to make sure that people aren't sort of obligated to lose money so that investing in the NBA is a positive thing. So that venture capitalists and people with billions of dollars look at the NBA as uh, a place they want to put their money and invest. And I think that's been really good in the last 10 years for the NBA. And I think they want that obviously to continue. So which team should be the most concerned? We mentioned Phoenix. I think that's the team that everyone kind of brings up just because they do have so many stars and uh, their books look kind of crazy. And they already had a hard time this offseason trying to, you know, fill out that roster and that supporting cast with minimum contracts. You know, what are some teams that maybe should be concerned once these new uh, stricter penalties kind of kick in? Well, uh, I mean, it's it's you're the Warriors and you have to think about what are you going to do, for instance, with um, Clay Thompson, who's due an extension or a new contract. And you start to get into these difficult questions where uh, they were able to work it out with Draymond Green. Can they work it out uh, with Clay Thompson so that it's not absolutely you know, earth shatteringly difficult for the team? Now, where you start to get into these penalties, 
are like seven years down the road, not starting now, but starting next year, seven years down the road, they're going to freeze your draft picks, which means that if you're over this second apron, this line in the sand that these teams like the Clippers and the Warriors and the Suns and a few others might be, we're going to freeze your draft picks so you can't trade them and we're going to drop them to the end of the first. So let's say that you end up being great now. You're the the Warriors now and, and let's say that they win again. Uh, but by the time you get to seven years down the line, Steph is retired, Draymond's retired, and let's say they're the worst team in the league. They get what would be the number one pick. Well, that's going to be the 30th pick or if there are other teams in that same bracket, maybe they'll be 26, 7, 28, 29, somewhere in that bottom range. And so uh, it's hard to, you know, if you're the Warriors now, do you worry about that later? Obviously, the Suns are saying we're not worried about that. We're going for it now, come hell or high water. We're trading away all of our picks as much as we can. Yeah. Whatever picks we can't trade, we're going to trade swap rights uh, so that uh, you know if, if our pick is number one and the other team is, is uh, 30, then we'll go 30, they'll go number one. All of these kind of things. And so uh, you know, the Bucks have to decide what they're going to do. You've got Damian Lillard, and you, you paid Middleton, you paid Lopez, and you've got to pay Giannis soon. So uh, but we are seeing some teams like the Lakers who kind of said, all right, we're going to treat this as a hard cap. We're going to stop our spending at a certain line and we're going to make it work. And I'm not sure. It, I don't think D'Angelo Russell loved what happened, uh, but they were able to work it out. I think the market was as such that he got 17-ish million when he probably wanted 25-ish million. And uh, it was either go somewhere else and find that money, which wasn't coming from anywhere else, or sign with the Lakers. So they signed him short term. So I think you're going to see these kind of compromises that teams have to make. And I think more and more over time, teams are going to get in line where there's maybe one or two teams that are maybe skirting with these crazy salaries. But I think everyone's going to get right up to that line and sort of stay below because it, it, it restricts what you could do when it comes to signing players, restricts what you could do when it comes to trading players. Uh, the only thing it doesn't really restrict is, is paying your own players. Uh, or you could trade for somebody who makes less money than your guy, but you're not going to be able to trade for someone who makes more money. So it's there's all these complexities. We could talk for hours about it. Uh, but ultimately, I think most teams are going to eventually fall into line under these difficult rules. Are you a fan of the rules? I mean, obviously, the NBA is trying to increase parity and to your point, make it so that you can't just buy a championship. Do you think it's the right direction for the NBA to head? Or what are your thoughts on just the, the rules in general? Well, I'm, the, the new CBA, the new collective bargaining agreement is very complex. And it, it it has areas I like and areas I'm not necessarily, I don't want to say I dislike, but that I'm concerned about. Like there's a simple rule change where uh, you can use your mid-level exception, not this year, but in the future, your mid-level exception is usually your biggest spending tool to get a free agent. Let's call it, let's say it's 13 million. We'll just make it up right now. Let's say it's $13 million this next July. Teams in the past, if you didn't spend it, it just went unused. So most teams would spend it or maybe not all of it, but portions yeah. of it. Now you can use it to trade for players or not yet, but in right. next July. So does that mean that those teams will look at free agency and say, uh, you know what? I don't like the free agent market. I'm going to use it to trade, which means that's one less contract that's being generated, right? Because instead of that 13 million, it's going into a trade instead of a signing. And, uh, but then does that team that, dump that $13 million player? Do they, you know, do they spend or are they just using that tool to get under the tax? So I don't know how 
all of these little nuances are going to work. But like from the player's point of view, there's some like that's an area that I don't love from the player's point of view. But they increase BRI, uh, their share of BRI by little nuances, which means they get a slightly bigger piece of the pie because of licensing issues. All kinds of like there's so many little things that I can point at and say, I like this. I don't like this. Mostly, I think the most important thing and thing I like the most is that. Uh, you know, we have a season, you know, like we didn't have a lockout. We have labor peace. And I think that's really the most important thing because that impacts so many people, not just, you know, the players and of course myself, you, uh, but all the people who work in the arenas. And there's so many thousands and thousands of people who are impacted by the NBA just continuing. So we have a compromise and I'm not going to complain about like little bits there, here and there. I, I get the idea that they want parity and that, um, like from the Clippers point of view, and I've spoken to some people who work for the team and they're like, we have an owner who's willing to spend. Why are we punishing right. him? Like, why don't they get more owners like him? And it's like, well, yeah, sure. In theory. Uh, but how many people are as rich exactly, as yeah. in the world? Right. Like, and, um, you know, like if you look at the money that's come into the league, it's not just been to the players, but like it's been to better practice facilities it's been better staffs so that players have uh, more support when it comes to like physical therapists and you know, so many trainers and assistant coaches so that they get the kind of help that they need to have longer careers. And so you go down the line and you see all the pros and all the cons. And I'm, I look at it and I say, we, we're still working. We're still, you know, we, we, we were able to work a compromise out. I'm not going to complain that it's not perfect because there isn't perfect. Uh, but I think ultimately they want to make sure that the NBA is a good investment. And that goes to the players, that investment, both uh, in what I just said on the things on the side, like better, you know, longer careers potentially because you get better physical therapy, but also they get half the money that comes in. So if they're, if the NBA is profitable, the players profit. So I think ultimately we have a good system. We don't have a perfect system. I would say we have a a very good system. It's just not, you know, we can quibble about it. And I know some people don't love it in some areas, but I also think those people haven't really investigated the whole thing and are just picking one or two things to say, oh, just to be upset when it's like, you got to really look at the whole picture. And there's a lot in here that's really positive for everybody. When Sam Amick from The Athletic was on the podcast uh, recently, we talked about the NBA's new TV deal that's, you know, going to be up after the 2024-25 season. In 2016, we saw it led to salary cap spike, crazy contracts being handed out. Um, obviously, we might see the NBA approach it a little bit differently this time around. But I'm curious, you know, could we see potentially in the near future $100 million salaries in the NBA? Because I'd imagine the NBA is feeling great about the fact that you have Apple and Amazon and all these huge companies that are entering kind of the bidding war for the NBA broadcast rights. I guess, what does this mean for the NBA salary cap going forward? I know it's kind of hypothetical, but do you think we could see a $100 million salary at some point in the near future, as crazy as it sounds? Um, I don't know about the near future. Um, I'd have to crunch some numbers. But uh, so first of all, like I, I assume that they get a great deal. I don't know that they get a great deal, but there's a lot of optimism that they do. Let's hope that they do, whether it's with uh, the existing partners, Disney and, and Warner Media uh, through Turner. Uh, is it Warner Brothers Discovery? I should say that right, given that I work for Bleacher Report, who is owned by them. So that's my grandparent company. <laughs> so Warner Brothers Discovery. Yeah, edit that out. No, just to get, get that, make sure I get it right. <laughs> so I don't get fired. No, just teasing. Um, but 
the 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 money's going to spike, but it, there's a, a if there's a if there's a huge deal, but there's a limit that they put in at ten percent. So the cap can only rise ten percent a year, and they also added a rule that it can't fall. So in the past, we could have the cap drop, and it didn't usually drop. I don't remember it ever dropping. It, it would have dropped during the pandemic, but they put in these sort of uh, compromise rules to make sure it, it worked for everybody. Uh, but there was a year or two where it was flat. And so that's where they're basically saying it'll, it'll stay flat. It'll be the lowest possible or it'll go up 10%. So like if you project about 5% a year, which is medium conservative, the max, the, the top max will be in the neighborhood of 63, 64, 65 million in like seven years or something like that or eight years, nine years. So we're not quite up to that point. But if you project it to go up 10% every single year, then it would jump higher. I don't know about a hundred, and I'd have to punch in some calculations. Yeah, that might be a ways away. I imagine it could get, yeah, it could get to 80, 80 could get to ninety in theory. Like, I, I, if I punch in at ten percent every yeah. year, because uh, we're talking about twenty four, twenty five, the NBA is projecting about four and a half percent. So I don't even they don't even expect it to jump much up. And then the new TV deal kicks in after that, and so then if we go ten, 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 that'd be five years of ten. So. It could jump up, but realistically, contracts are already insane. Yeah. Like, you know, the max right now is about for the, the top most players is almost 50. Uh, and it's just going to get deeper and it's going to get closer to 60 is really. Uh, and then for the younger max guys like the Lamello balls and whatnot, it's in the 35 and it's going to ramp up to about 45. And middle tier max will be about instead of about 41 ish, it'll be about 51 ish or 55 ish or in that range. So it's, it's fantastic for the players and uh, you know that we're not tuning in to see uh, Mark Cuban play basketball as much as maybe an exhibition would be fun. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely going to the, you know, some of the best athletes in the world. Yeah. See, this is why we bring you on. You, you have all the uh, accurate information. Uh, I'm just seeing Steph Curry making 50 million and you start looking ahead at some of the numbers on the books like, oh, this guy can make $60 million in a single season. Um, so you think, oh man, this is going to ramp up like crazy. But that's really good information and good context there about how it kind of works. Um, I want to ask you just about, you also do a great job covering the Lakers. Uh, you're based in LA. You've you know written by the Lakers for a very long time. Last year's midseason shakeup worked out so well. Uh, you know, Rob Plinka has gotten a ton of credit for that. We saw the team just totally look like a different squad in the second half of the season. What are your expectations for this Lakers team entering the year? I think they did a great job re-signing their own players, uh, you know, making some key additions in the offseason. Uh, what are your thoughts on this team? And, you know, do you think they're a legitimate contender? Well, I've been to a few preseason games, a couple of them, and you just look at them and you're like, okay, this team is really big and long uh, and athletic. And it just feels like they've gone back to what worked in 2020. Uh, you want a title by basically being you know, six foot five and above every, at every position, everywhere, except for Rondo. He, he was the only one under six five. They had no one else in their rotation below six five. And so now you're looking at the rotation. Uh, uh, technically, uh, D'Angelo Russell six four. You know what I mean? So like, it, he's the shortest. I guess Gabe Vincent is a maybe he'll be the shortest. But like, they are big, long. You've got guys like Tash, uh, Torian Prince. I was gonna say Tayshawn Prince, who was about as long as anybody True. who's almost ever played. Uh, but Torian Prince, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who's returning. Uh, they added Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes. Uh, to fill those sort of, uh, I mean, I think Hayes is sort of in that JaVale McGee role from that era. 
And then Wood is an offensive-minded player. He's not in the Dwight Howard role. He's more of in a, a sort of a poor man's AD role, and I don't know if it'll work or not. Uh, but they have some options. They added like Cam Reddish, who hasn't really um, landed in the NBA as far as like being what he's supposed to be based on what he was uh, on, on expectations. But if there's an opportunity for him to succeed, he's on the clutch brand with LeBron. He's got, there's no politics against him here, right? Like some, I don't think Tom Thibodeau ever wanted him in New York. And so like if the coach doesn't want you, he's probably not going to play you and give you that opportunity. He doesn't have any of that here. So this is his chance to, to step into it. Uh, Gabe Vincent uh, was obviously a fantastic um, shooter in the run for Miami. Like he shot out of his mind uh, above his career numbers. So does he stay that uh, or is he, was that just sort of like an aberration that those are little details, but I mean, there's just like, they, they don't need everything to go right. And I think that's really, you know, why they're such a great contender, given that they were already in the Western Conference Finals. The, the things that have to go right are that you need AD and LeBron to be healthy for as much as possible and at the right time. And if they're healthy at the right time, this is a, a, one of the best teams in the league. You know, Denver's there. Phoenix potentially, uh, certainly offensively, should be there. Uh, you know, the Warriors are always in the mix. We could talk about all the teams in the East, Boston and Milwaukee and et cetera, et cetera. So the, you know, the Lakers are in that group. I don't know exactly where, and, and I think health will dictate ultimately where they, where they finish. For sure. So I'm curious, uh, everyone's talking about Austin Reeves. It's such a great story. You know, the fact that he could have been drafted in the second round by Detroit. He chose to go undrafted and kind of bet on himself by joining the Lakers. Plays so well, you know, basically makes the most of every opportunity he's given. Then obviously this offseason goes and plays with Team USA in the World Cup and, and looks great. Now I think he's either, at one point, he was the, the front runner to win most improved player this upcoming season. A lot of people are predicting an Austin Reeves breakout. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of what Reeves has shown and maybe what the next step is for him? Could you see him maybe breaking out this year? Well, I mean, he's already sort of broken out. You know, it's like he's... He's uh, not a surprise anymore. So uh, I was pretty early on the pro Austin Reeves. I don't know. The, the I was, I guess, during summer league when he was a rookie, uh, I was you know, writing like this guy looks like somebody who's an NBA player. And then when they got to training camp, I was saying uh, that I think he's going to play about 19 minutes a game. He ended up exceeding that. Uh, uh, yeah, as a rookie. Like that, it was just clear. Like this guy is better than almost anybody they have as far as ball handling and creation outside of LeBron. And, and uh, you know, they had Russ, Russell Westbrook at the time, but uh, Austin was a better shooter and was a better fit. So it was just a matter of time for him to grow into his body a little bit. So he's gotten stronger in the NBA system. You know, you, they have you lift and conditioning. Uh, and he, for him to show what he could do on that world stage was great because it's not just like, he's not like LeBron's caddy, you know, like it's not just like the LeBron effect. Like he's a legit player. Uh, He plays hard on defense. I think there are some areas where uh, there are some bigger players that can be a little tougher for him. Uh, But I think he's, uh, you know, he fights on defense and is a positive in general on defense and they need him. They really do because uh, like the more that LeBron has to do, I think, the more chance there is that he's going to wear down. I think in the days of him barreling through four or five defenders and just using his bulk to just, you know, destroy teams is, is, is 
I don't want to say it's gone, but it's limited. And we saw like at the end of a Grizzlies game, they needed a scorer on a single possession in the playoffs. And LeBron just barreled through and did that. Got his, you know, forced, got the win. That he has to save. Yep. And it used to be like that was just LeBron. So when you have someone like uh, D'Angelo who can create in the way that he creates, which is uh, similar, reminds me a little of Andre Miller, uh, uh, which is just that it's slower paced than everybody else but effective, right? Like where he's crafty and shifty and he uses his similar to what uh, Kyle Anderson does with, I guess, Minnesota now, right? Like where it's, you don't have to be the fastest player in the world and D'Angelo's certainly not. And then you have Austin who uh, is, you know, relentlessly attacking and can catch and shoot and play without the ball. Uh, I think it's a great combination and, and you can't really stop Austin if you have to worry about LeBron and AD and all the other pieces. So it's not that you can't stop Austin, uh, if you if he was the, the star of a team, you'd throw your you could throw enough defenders at him to slow him down. But uh, I think he's going to have a great year just because you can't really focus on Austin Reeves, and he's so talented. and And I think the coach gets it. He didn't. I don't think he knew who he had when he first took over Darvin Ham when he took over last year. Uh, I don't. I think he thought that uh, he was going to be more of like a catch and shoot, not as skilled of a player. And it took him a while to understand how to use him. And to give him the ball and let him create. And by the time they got to the playoffs, I mean, Darwin was riding, you know, riding on his yeah. back. So yeah, uh, I mean, props to the Lakers for finding this guy. Uh, he's a fun story. He's fun to be around. Uh, when I'm in the media room and whatnot, he's he's a very likable personality. So good fun and uh, great story for someone to come undrafted and already getting paid a nice contract. And uh, yeah, I think he's just going to continue knock on wood health for health for everyone across the league. You know, that's, that's all I ask for is let's see the best talent on the floor as long as much as possible. For sure. Yeah. I mean, Trevor Lane, he was on the show recently and he made the point that he went from going undrafted, you know, by choice technically, uh, but undrafted to the highest paid player in his draft class. Now, obviously there's some semantics there. It's because those guys haven't been able to go get paid yet, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, his, his gamble paid off. It's a great underdog story and a great bet on yourself story, which we love, you know, uh, same with like a Fred Van Vliet kind of reminds me of that where, you know, doesn't get drafted, goes and proves himself in summer league, earns a roster spot. And then just every time they got an opportunity, just made the most of it. So a ton of fun there. Uh, I want to ask you about the rest of the Western Conference. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting year in the West. There's so many good teams that you're going to see probably one or two good teams or great teams even miss the playoffs. You know, even if you look at some teams like uh, Dallas or Oklahoma City that, you know, aren't near the top of the standings from last year. You know, OKC should take a step forward with Chet and that young, in, you know, group making internal development. Uh, we could see Dallas look better with the whole season of Kyrie and Luka, you know, adding Derek Lively at center and some of these pieces. But there are, I think, a handful of legitimate contenders in the West. Denver is my favorite still just because they not only have the talent, but the chemistry and continuity. Um, but then, you know, you look at Phoenix and the potential of that team. Memphis is being kind of looked, uh, people are overlooking them because of all the John Morant stuff, but he's only going to miss 25 games. I mean, he, and they add Mark Smart, Marcus Smart. Uh, so, you know, by the time the playoffs start, that team should be uh, a contender and they'll be better than their record indicates probably. Sacramento is, you know, kind of being written off as a fluke, but they brought everyone back and, you know, could see a big step forward from a guy like Keegan Murray and the other young guys there. So there's a lot of really good teams. You know, that's not even mentioning the Warriors, the Clippers, what are your thoughts on the West as a whole? Is it going to be like last year where there's a ton of parity? And how many legitimate contenders do you think are in the West? Oof, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, there's a, I mean, I would say that, like, um, you know, obviously Denver 
is in, in the Lakers were the Western Conference Finals teams, and Denver arguably lost you know, a little bit. Um, I need to see how you know are they at the exact same level without Bruce yeah. Brown, Jeff Green, some of their role players. But I'll give them the benefit of the doubt uh, until you know proven otherwise. So Denver and the Lakers were the best two teams. The Warriors, it's always going to be a health question for guys that age, similar to LeBron and AD, similar to Phoenix with KD and Beal. Uh, Beal isn't that old; he's over thirty, but he you know he's injuries would suggest he's older than than his uh, his his number. Uh, so I think those are the best teams, but they all have injury questions. So Warriors could be the best team. They could miss the playoffs. Right, you know what I mean? Like it's Steph Curry is still incredible. Chris Paul, watching them, I got to see them play in person. Like Chris Paul's Chris Paul. He's going to fit in just fine with this team. It's not even a, it's not a worry. Like you're going to be fine. Uh, it, there are areas like height, you know, and, and age, and he's going to have to save his his energy similar to LeBron on offense. Chris is going to have to save his offense, his energy for defense. Uh, he's still a thief with his hands, probably arguably the best hands of the last 30 years, 20 years in the NBA. I don't know as far as defensively. Uh, and then you start to look at the teams, like you mentioned, Memphis, where, yeah, 25 games without Ja, but, you know, that, I don't know. I mean, if they're lose two, three, four, or five extra games, that might put them, you know, out of that top group. And, uh, I think Sacramento, the reason why I have them dropping a bit is I think when a team like that gets to the playoffs and teams see how they're beaten, I think it's I think they've been scouted a little bit. I think teams have a better understanding of how to guard Sabonis uh, and how to attack Sabonis defensively. So um, I do think Sacramento's going to not be bad, right. but I think they're going to drop off a bit. Uh, I, you know, Portland's restructuring. San Antonio is going to be fun to watch because of you know Weminyama. Utah's just got a lot of talent. I don't know that. I think they're probably a playing team or thereabouts. Uh, Oklahoma City is the up and comer, and I think they're dangerous. Uh, they could get to six or five. I don't know if they're going to crack that right. top, but they certainly, you know, they certainly could. And I think they're waiting to see what Chet is. Uh, they they have an idea of what he is, but we need to see what he is. And then Minnesota could be really, really good and could be really, really bad. Like it, they didn't look great last year, but then you have to remember like Cat had a calf injury. Carl, Carl Anthony Towns uh, was out for a lot of it. By the time they got to the playoffs, they were pretty gassed. And then, you know, Jaden McDaniels had a hand injury. They had some internal strife. Uh, I don't love them on paper. I'm not going to lie. I don't think they're great. So I think that they'll fall short, but you know, we'll see. Uh, the Pelicans, it just seems like they're never healthy. Right. But their upside potential is, you know, tremendous. Like there's talent everywhere on that roster. There's depth. It's really, really a lot to like. Uh, so, you know, I think the teams that I mentioned first are still the, the main contenders. I think the other ones I mentioned are in that mix. And the Clippers are... You know, it's hard. I mean, the Rockets, I don't think they're a playoff team. Uh, I think Dallas is sort of, you know, probably a playoff team, but like not a convincing one. I don't love their depth. I think they've improved, but I don't love them. And then the Clippers are like, I, are they going to trade for James Harden? I, I mean, that's sort of like a hanging over the team. Yeah. And I think it's sort of uh, uh, depressing the team a little. In preseason, it seemed like there was a little bit of a cloud. I was at a couple of games. And I could kind of see a little maybe tension. But with the Clippers, I think like of all the teams that I mentioned, I mentioned like the health with the Lakers and the Warriors 
and the Suns and like we can go through each team and but and those are teams that have had injury history but it feels like the Clippers have been more dependably not available at the most important times like Kawhi and Paul George like we just don't get the two of them and we did have them I guess the year uh, what was it the, after the bubble so the, the the 72 game season they got to the conference finals but like it's it just hasn't happened and it you know, we have a hanging over the head of, of the team. Are they going to trade for James Harden? That's like, you know, I don't know. And I think, I think that's permeated the locker room a little bit. And it's sort of put the season on hold a little bit for the Clippers. So I, there's just a lot of uncertainty surrounding them. But I think of the teams that, you know, I haven't mentioned, they definitely deserve that kind of credit as a, as a possible top four team as well. To your point, though, there's so many teams with a wide range of outcomes. You know, we're talking about, oh, this team could be a contender and near the top of the West, or they could miss the playoffs. And it feels like there's a handful of those teams, which it's going to be a crazy year in the West. I think yep. compared to the East, especially, there's just, uh, in the East, it feels like it's a little bit more cut and dry, like, you know, who the top tier is. And uh, the West is going to be very interesting. You know, there's going to be some crazy, uh, toward the end of the season, it'll be interesting to see which teams actually make the playoffs. And then the playoffs should be a ton of fun just with all the matchups that we're going to get and just how much parity there's going to be. I want to ask you about the sports business classroom. Uh, you know, I've got a chance to come hang out with you guys a couple times, you know, during your mock trade deadlines. And it's always so much fun. You have a bunch of students that want to work in the NBA. They're learning about the CBA and the salary cap. They're, you know, seeing what it's like getting hands-on experience. Uh, you know, you always have some great guests that come through, uh, you know, different NBA GMs and executives. And they actually get to, you know, have hands-on experience making trades and free agent signings. And it's such a cool experience. Um, can you kind of talk to me about some of the things that you guys are, are adding and, and, you know, kind of the state of Sports Business Classroom right now? Because every year, again, I, I'm always a huge fan of it. I, I recommend it to everyone that asks me, you know, what should I do if I want to work in sports or work in the NBA? Uh, what's the latest on the Sports Business Classroom? Well, we're, we're finishing up a program that will, uh, like an online program, webinar type program uh, uh, that will help uh, people who want to learn the new CBA uh, in, in really extreme depth. And so we're working with uh, Bobby Marks, he'll be the face of that of ESPN. And uh, we're gonna, it's, it's not quite ready, but it's pretty darn close. We're putting in a lot of hours to make sure it's just right. And uh, there's a lot of uh, detail to parse through to make sure that we get it right. So, uh, you know, because these rules are complex. So uh, we're, uh, you know, investigating. I'm like, well, wait, I, don't, I think the rule is this. And so it's like, no, it's slightly. The, and then we're like, you know, reaching out to people to get clarification on rules because um, some of this stuff is unexplored. And, and uh, anyway, it's good fun. But I think the heart of what we do uh, is try to get people an opportunity to pursue their dream of working in sports, uh, specifically basketball, not exclusively basketball, but primarily basketball. And we've had a lot of success through the years of, of uh, helping students get that first opportunity, whether it's with a team, uh, with, on the agent side, uh, with shoe companies, uh, a lot of media folk uh, that we have focus on either you know scouting video and analytics or the media and broadcast of course salary cap is where uh, you know that's my expertise and where I I help and and uh, I keep in touch with students year round and they work for me I've got uh, some of them working on some projects and they we I had some scouts build out a draft board we did really well uh, mocking out the draft we got like 16 of the first 17 picks right not in exact uh, order but like 16 of the first 17 players drafted we got right, not in order. Uh, other still. than Cam Whitmore, who dropped. 
Yeah. And I don't even watch, I like, I would love to watch college basketball. I just, and I do watch a little, but I don't really watch it. I just don't have the time because of my responsibilities on the NBA side. So uh, it, it's, it's a joy. I love doing it. And we're, we're always doing cool stuff. So you can, of course, check us out on sportsbusinessclassroom.com. We always have new content coming up on the blog that we have there, which is usually either salary cap related or scout related or whatnot. And then we'll have some new programs coming up. We're talking about some, some really exciting stuff. Nothing announced yet. I don't want to be the one to announce anything that hasn't happened yet uh, officially, but uh, keep your eye out. And uh, I, it's a year-round fun project. Uh, I love spending my time uh, helping students get an opportunity. And uh, it's great to see. I, we have people who are like literally GMs of G League clubs that were former students, uh, people who are with the Celtics, uh, Buddy Scott, uh, is uh, in their cap department. We've got people with the Pacers and the Clippers, and the, I mean, it's it's a long list. It's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I always love coming by and speaking. And then one of the coolest things about sports with this classroom is whenever you're there. So it's during uh, NBA Summer League in Las Vegas, and you know I love stopping by the classroom or seeing what you guys are doing. Uh, and you never know who's going to show up. Like you guys have had everyone from. Adam Silver to NBA GMs, uh, NBA coaches, you know, people just walk in and they're the next speaker. There's even last year, it was so crazy, uh, or the year before, um, you know, I'm sitting there speaking and I see Orlando Johnson in the crowd, former NBA player as like one of the students. And I'm just like, this is so cool. You mm -hmm. never know who's going to be there either as a student or as one of the speakers. So I can't recommend it enough. I mean, Again, I, I always tell people, definitely check it out. And I'm sure it's so cool for you now, too, seeing so many former students go on to have these great positions and take what they learned. And now they're working in the NBA and living their dream. That must be so cool for you. Yeah, no, it's 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 a joy of it. And, you know, I, I put a lot of love and time into the relationships. And that's really, it really is a relationship business. And so uh, it's not just like a week in Vegas and then that's that and you get a certificate and you, you know you learned how like oh this is how this person got the job 30 years right. ago and like that doesn't apply anymore because the world is very different now than it was 30 years there was no linkedin there was no like internet well there was an internet but it wasn't the same and uh so yeah it's a, it's just a different world and so i really try to um build those sort of bonds that you know i've helped people prep for interviews and help them get that job and then, you know, see them two, three years down the line get promoted. And it's, it's really, it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. I can't, I, I'm not going to lie. That's really the, the joy of it. I've been pretty blessed and fortunate to, you know, do what I love for a couple decades. So I'm, I'm, you know, if I can help others do the same and, uh, you know, pass on knowledge and whatever, it's definitely something I love, I love to do. Yeah, that's one of the things that I've kind of learned. Pretty much everyone that works in sports media or works in an NBA front office or coaching staff, they had someone that kind of took them under their wing or opened up a door for them. And most people want to kind of give back and do that for someone else. So it's, it's always so cool. And, and again, if you want to network with NBA people, sports business classroom is like your dream, you know? And a lot of times to your point, it's not just, oh, I talked to so-and-so for 30 seconds. It's you get one-on-one -on -one time. Sometimes, you know, they become a mentor. Mm -hmm. There's still people that were on like the, the media path that I still talk to. They'll call me about starting a podcast or ask specific questions. Um, it's such a cool thing. I, I love it. So definitely guys, make sure you guys check out Sports Business Classroom. Make sure you guys follow Eric uh, at Eric Pincus. Check out his great work at Bleach Report. Does a fantastic job. Like I said, absolute expert when it comes to the CBA, the salary cap, the Lakers and Sports Business Classroom. Uh, it, it's a great culmination of all that. I mean, the fact that you've been able to take your your knowledge and your expertise and turn it into something cool that helps others is just so great. So 
Always appreciate you joining me, buddy. Always great to catch up. And uh, everyone, make sure you guys check out Eric's work. Eric's work. Thank you. Anytime. Happy to be here. And uh, let's go. Ready for the season. So excited. Make sure you guys subscribe wherever you're listening. Running Up the Score airs every Tuesday and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. This is a special episode because we don't want to conflict with the NBA games that are starting. But usually it's Tuesday and Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. So be sure to subscribe. Uh, we have some more episodes coming very soon. Thanks to Prize Picks for sponsoring. Until next time, thanks for watching.